Perverted. Brought to you by Sputnik Africa. Hey everyone, you're listening to Afro Verdict back with your host Victor Anakin. We've had some interesting development this week and I'm talking of course about the Liptoko-Goma Charter, a military defense pact signed by Mali, Nigeria and Burkina Faso, thus establishing the Alliance of Sahel States. This alliance calls on the parties to come to each other's aid in the case of an attack on any one of the countries. Now, I'm joined by foreign policy and political analyst Ms. Sanushan Naidu. She's a senior research associate with the Institute for Global Dialogue. Ms. Naidu, welcome to Afro Verdict. Thank you very much and thank you for having me. It's always, it's, it's been a pleasure to engage with you. No, the pleasure is absolutely mine. Thanks for joining us. So this collective defense charter has been signed, thus establishing the Alliance of Sahil States. Why has the signing taken place now? And what is your overall interpretation of this initiative? Um, I think the signing of it comes at a time where you're seeing the level of instability in the Sahil region. I mean, it's a, it's a region that, as you uh, would know, and perhaps um, as we've seen in the media in terms of the kind of political issues that emerge around military, around instability with regard to um, non-state actors, the impact that this has on um, the region in terms of the spillover effect. Um, It's a volatile region. And it's a region that hasn't necessarily been able to uh, reconfigure itself uh, retain a level of inst- uh, of stability, rather, and more importantly, I think you know it, it. It it's been one of those regions that has linked up in terms of the cross border questions, questions around uh, issues when it comes to. Um, questions of food insecurity, questions of mineral uh, uh, extraction, questions around. Uh, uh, trade that that is illicit in nature, um, and 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 just in terms of um, the kind of immigration challenges that the region faces. So it's a region where I think the the signing of it is is it comes at a time where you're trying to mitigate those kinds of risks and perhaps even find ways to address the instability. But it also raises questions around whether. Um, it's going to have that profound impact that the, that this alliance will try to create because we know that in the Sahel Sahel region right now, um, it is one of those regions that has created a lot of headaches for ECOWAS, the regional body of um, um, the economic West African body. And more importantly, I think for the AU, the African Union, because the African Union's peace and security architecture has not been able to mitigate these risks of what happens in elections that are not seen as free and fair, but also elections that then tend to reinforce the uh, political architecture that not necessarily is including people uh, or that the election itself may be brought into question. And of course, we've seen the the, the issues around uh, militaries coming in and military coups. So I think this is, again, uh, the idea of how this alliance can actually uh, be be used as a way to address the, 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 the issues of insecurity and instability, but also, I think, in a way to address um, the role of, of, of what the military alliance means. Because if the military is coming in as part of the way to 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 take power in the region then it also raises questions around when they define the military alliance 
how does it actually mitigate where the military, for example, in Niger has come in uh, and taken control or in the case of uh, Mali or in the case of, um, as we saw in Gabon. So I think in, 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 in many ways, the, the military alliance or the alliance of these states coming to the aid of each other is important. But it may not necessarily be uh, the kind of, of intervention that will actually see the kind of, of conditions and terms of conditions that happens in, the, in in terms of how they're going to address where perhaps a, 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 a military uh, architecture comes into place that actually doesn't align to the alliance itself. Thanks a lot. That was quite an elaborate answer. You mentioned non-state actors. So what impact do you think will this alliance have in the fight against terrorism? Well, I think it's a way in which you have to address the non-state actors, the fight against terrorism or, or, or the fight against levels of instability that is that, that, that are seen as um, proponents or opponents of the architecture within the region. It's difficult to gauge right now because I think it's such a fluid re- region and 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 previous interventions have not been able to deal with non-state actors in the manner that perhaps they intended to envisage to to do so. Uh, Non-state actors proliferate in the region. It's not just one set of non-state actors. You have uh, people that are part of particular um, groupings that uh, do not accept the state or do not recognize the borders of the state. They are communities that are basically living outside of, of, of statehood in the region. And these, these communities, these groupings of non-state actors uh, are essentially, as you say, you know, in terms of the fundamentalism, the terrorism groups that are there, that are linked to particular broader con- uh, global terrorist networks um, have become independent cells. Uh, and so they're not necessarily operating in the manner that perhaps the alliance has a unified approach. And I think that's going to be difficult in terms of what kind of resources, we didn't talk about the resources, that needs to be expended to address the kind of interventions and political um, uh, uh, engagements that need to be had in terms of what does it mean when you talk about the alliance of of, of countries of the Sahel and this coming to into effect. So I think these, these non-state actors always may be operating outside of formal borders, outside of formal structures, outside of the, the mainstream domain, and being in that kind of uh, outside of the mainstream domain, whether it's pastoral agriculturalists, nomads, um, people fight, uh, people in, in, in conflict around uh, access to scarce resources, etc. Um, it raises fun, it raises critical questions in terms of what is going to be the intervention. It cannot be a one size fits all intervention because you've got different types of actors in the region um, that are that 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 will represent different levels of insecurity to the uh, countries that are that are party to this to, to this alliance. Thank you very much. You know, there aren't too many military, specifically military alliances on the African continent. Now, to what extent would this alliance be a symbol of African solutions to African problems now that we've seen major French contingents uh, draw out of these countries uh, that we are talking about right now? I think previous experience with um, the kind of peace and security intervention, um, that kind of architecture that aligns to ECOWAS and ECOWAS's peace uh, building capacity, but also the kind of standby force. I think it has to complement these issues. I don't think they are going to be solutions that are going to be ones that can be a panacea for for, for, for the situation in the region. 
I, I wouldn't go as far as saying that these are African solutions to African problems. I think it's much more deeper. It's much more complex and it's much more um, difficult and challenging to actually say that the one alliance is going to be a, a, a symbol or symbolize African solutions to African problems. I think it's the deeper challenges, the deeper structural challenges, not just in the in the Ikawasa Hill region, but also across the continent, is really about structural transformation. It's really about communities that have been marginalized from the access to resources, communities where Issues have been uh, particularly uh, questions around extractive minerals. Uh, now we talk critical minerals uh, in terms of um, access to, to, to resources. People have not benefited from that. It's the paradox of plenty. It's the paradox of resources. And I think that is where the, 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 the real manifestation of, of social justice struggles start to emerge because people are not seeing the benefits of this. So it the, the military the military alliance I think is just a way in which the political architecture and the establishment within the region may want to seek to address this but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to have these solutions to what is real the real crisis in terms of the socioeconomic uh, disconnection dislocation marginalization and more importantly the paradox paradoxical issues around um, the resources that haven't translated into a social transformation and a structural transformation of people's lives and livelihoods, whether in the Sahel, whether in uh, West Africa or across the continent. In the case that ECOWAS does, in fact, intervene in Nigeria, what strength do you think will the military alliance be able to draw on? Well, I think there'll be a number of things that they need to think about. Um, one of it is, as I mentioned, is, you know, in all of the four regional blocks or, or, or the regional blocks across the African continent, there's been this debate about a standby force, operationalizing a African standby force. Now, the African standby force, particularly at the, at the regional level, has to be capacitated and it has to have both financial and non-financial resources and the capabilities of those, of those resources to be used to provide the kind of training and the kind of intervention that's needed. So I think the example you cited is going to be interesting in terms of whether that this this alliance that we're speaking about boosts that African capabilities in terms of a standby force. We know in the Southern African region, there's been ebbs and flows around it. It hasn't really found the traction that perhaps it should have found. Um, and that's, again, it comes back to the question of how do you deal with interventions around peace and stability and interventions around um, uh, challenges to the peace and stability architecture, whether in ECOWAS, whether in SADC, uh, Southern Africa, whether in the East African region or the Horn of Africa. And we see this also in the Great Lakes region and the Central African region where the internal political architecture is dogged and undermined by uh, instability in, say, the in the DRC, in the eastern parts of the DRC, linked back to the resources question. So whether or not this is going to complement that African standby force or complement ECOWAS's peace and stability and, and, and peace intervention force with, with, with real boots on the ground in terms of uh, not, not only relying on the blue, helmet, uh, blue hel helmets from the UN, but that seems to be receding because the UN is not, doesn't have the capacity hasn't doesn't have the resources to 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 expend more and we've seen the 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 
the not just the the the, the French troops and the French were drawing from the Sahel, but also in the terms of the UN as well, contributions haven't been as much in terms of the um the intervention standby forces or the or the UN um peacekeeping missions in, in Africa. This is going to be interesting in terms of whether that's going to complement an African context. And you spoke about the, the 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 African solutions to African problems. And I think we need to see it in that context as well. I think going further than that, it has to also be about um, what kind of intervention? I think, you know, if, if you're going to actually start to intervene and mitigate risks around uh, the, the peace and stability and the peace and security issues, and if these are the, 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 the cross-border issues with spillover effects, Will the standby force then be capacitated to 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 fight to to intervene using force as well, or is it going to be purely about maintaining peace? The question is, how do you maintain peace? Do you maintain peace through the use of force, and does that then aggravate the situation and make the situation more volatile, or do you find other methods and methodologies and mechanisms around how do you operationalize your peace and stability and your security intervention? So these are some of the the, the I would say some of the more critical questions around not just whether it complements, but the resources, but also the kind of intervention and the kind of capacity building you want to achieve with this complement with this with this um, military alliance that's been signed into 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 practice, how it's going to complement not aggravating what is currently very volatile political uh, insecurity and instability in the region and also elsewhere in terms of this, if this is a model to follow. What's your sort of say response to the question you just posed? I think there's, there's a lot that needs to be done in terms of what, what is peace, peace building versus peacekeeping. And I think that's the bigger challenge. You know, if you, if your, if your mandate is just to maintain the peace, then I think that's, that's the minimalist approach. Uh, and, and I'm not a peace and security expert, so I could be getting it completely wrong here, but these are just my, my, in, my insights, my, my own perspective and, 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 and view on the situation is that you, you want to build durable peace in the, in the region. You want to build durable stability because that is what the ultimate goal is for, for, um, having a peace and security architecture that complements the African Union or enables countries in the region to find stability for prosperity and for 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 human security i i i my sense is that signing an alliance doesn't necessarily mean that you 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 you're going to be able to um let me let me rephrase it. Signing an alliance goes much more than just signing an alliance. It has to be about the durable peace, the durable stability. And durable peace and durable stability comes with the recognition of socioeconomic transformation and structural transformation of society. And 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 that is going to be key. So I think if you if your minimalist approach is just to maintain peace or to main, or, or peacekeeping, then I think it's going to be one where we're going to see tensions uh, between the, the 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 alliance partners uh, in how they go about operationalizing this, and whether it creates tensions amongst themselves and tensions within their societies between themselves and societies and cross border tensions. So I'm I'm a bit I'm a bit cautious, I would say, in terms of what what the what the alliance looks like, and I need to uh, read deeper into the alliance because it cannot be a very uh, a broad set of conditions. It has to be much more about how do you keep and maintain 
durable societies that will not necessarily go to uh, uh, may not necessarily deepen instability in, in 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 the region and outside and across the continent very good deep analysis getting back to the to the charter article 11 opens the door to membership of any state that shares the same geographical political and social cultural characteristics that accepts the principle of the said alliance which countries do you think meet these criteria and could possibly if we were to speculate join the alliance well i think generally speaking it's a very it's 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 a it's a it's an architecture that i think is built for the sahel and built for countries that share similar challenges across their borders share similar geographical and geostrategic challenges um and 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 perhaps can can pool their resources together so i think i haven't looked at the charter in detail so hope forgive me but i think that from what i could gather just looking at the region it will be countries that um possibly can uh, come together in terms of membership and expansion to deal with the crises of the political instability in the region and we know what the political instability of the region is as mentioned earlier in terms of the ter- the terrorism issues and and uh, and other issues as well um but what i want to say is um the the the, the bigger challenge i think is if it's going to be countries that um are going to look you know beyond that kind of space i i'm i'm a bit hesitant to 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 talk about possible countries that could join because i think it's still a very new alliance that is a charter that has been signed into a, into into being and i think it needs much more ventilation than just the reaction we're seeing and more importantly i think it may also have to deal with the transatlantic issues uh not not necessarily transatlantic between europe i mean it could actually also have uh, an interesting dimension coming down from the southern european con- uh, context and peninsula and then also the kind of atlantic issues around um how countries from that region may deal with 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 wanting to be part of a or play some kind of role in that so you know issues around drug trafficking issues around human security human human trafficking etc could be issues that will need to be looked at but it could actually expand beyond just geographical as well um and one of the key things i think we need to also think about is how this will entail kind of navy exercises cooperation collaboration um in terms of how the use of perhaps maybe we see more military bases emerge that's another possibility ports that start to to align with this military alliance um at the beginning of the year the prime minister of burkina faso apoline kelem de tambela proposed the creation of a flexible federation between his country and mali to what extent do you think is this alliance a step towards such a federation um that's a better tough question uh particularly because you know these alliances cannot be cast in stone so if you're thinking about the political fluidity of the region and the political and the domestic fluidity of domestic politics and political architecture in countries like mali and burkina faso and other countries in the region um if you move towards that federation um it actually entrenches a lot of issues that could be problematic um and 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 to a large extent those those that, that uh, you know moving towards a kind of federa- federation of states that are aligned together along a military context um and a military built around the foundation and anchor of a military uh architecture is 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 in itself a a a dilemma it is in itself potentially 
uh, creating a, a, a serious setback in terms of the kind of political issues and socioeconomic rights that you want to see. So where does it stop is my point. You know, if it's a federation between Burkina Faso and Mali, um, what happens when there's a political change? Or what happens when there's another kind of pushback from within domestically those countries by their constituencies, their civilians? What happens to that federation? So if they're moving, I mean, that's the one argument. The other argument is how does this then interpret the role of a federation versus the ECOWAS? And I think that's a bigger challenge as well. Are they saying that they don't want to be part of ECOWAS? Are they saying that ECOWAS should, they should complement ECOWAS with this, with this kind of federated approach? Um, so I think it's, 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 it's very interesting times when you actually think about those kind of security questions, military questions and political, uh, stability challenges that you're seeing in the region. And what does this mean for political elites who are hanging on to power? Ms. Naidu, thank you for that excellent analysis of the situation in the Sahil region. Now, let's welcome Dr. Mahdi Ibrahim Kante, lecturer at the Faculty of Administrative and Political Sciences of the University of Legal and Political Sciences of Bamako in Mali to share his take on the development, as he is in the very heart of the new alliance. Dr. Kante, it's great to hear from you. Please outline for us your take on the establishment of this alliance of the Sahil states. This initiative has uh, three objectives uh, mainly. The first one is the three countries impacted by terrorism phenomenon in, in the Sahel. So I think this is the first objective for this country to collaborate and then to fight against the terrorism. And the second, uh, this country have uh, the problem with France, so they try to be in collaboration to make face against uh, any endurance, any influence of France in uh, in these three countries. Uh, third objective of this initiative also is that uh, the coup d'état in Niger. So ECOWAS uh, tried to intervene in, in Niger against the, the putschists in, uh, in, in Niger. So I think this is also another object for this country to be together and to fight against any endurance or any intervention of, of ECOWAS in Niger. Much appreciated. How do you think will the issue of terrorism be impacted by the establishing of this alliance? If you look at this alliance, I think it's just to put on the paper because this alliance, already the, the country like Mali and Burkina Faso before the coup d'etat in Niger, so they started to collaborate, to work together in fighting against against terrorism. So, But with the coup d'etat in Niger, so this is a new change in this area because when the, the reference forces uh, withdraw from Mali and from Burkina Faso. So directly, uh, these forces went to uh, coup d'etat in Niger, change everything in this area. And that's the one. Uh, secondly, these three countries is the countries of G5 Sahel. So I think G5 Sahel now, we can say G5 Sahel changed to G3 Sahel. So because uh, Mauritania and Chad, so this is the two countries of the Sahel, which don't have the similar traits like Mali, Burkina Faso and Niger. So I think this is the change because when we talk about G5, five countries, so three countries is inside another alliance, another cooperation fight against terrorism. So it's many, it's meaning 
that is this change in G5 organization. So Mali and Burkina Faso, they already declared that any intervention, ECOWAS intervention in Niger, so they will be ready to support Niger. So I think also this alliance, it's meaning to be officially in collaboration with Niger and officially to uh, defend Niger and officially also to fight in Niger against any foreign endurance in, uh, in Niger. So this is uh, another thing that is important for this uh, alliance. Uh, when we look at to Mali or uh, Premier Minister of Burkina Faso, they already approved this context before this alliance. So that's, this is just to make sure that everything is agreed by the three countries. And like you said in the Article 11, so it's meaning also it's open. It's open, not just for three, these three countries. Why we can say that? Because maybe this alliance could be alliance of Liptakoguma. If we talk about alliance of Liptakoguma, it will be just for three, uh, three countries because the part, the area of Liptakoguma has a part in Mali, Burkina Faso, and Niger. So they didn't say alliance of Liptakoguma only, but they say alliance of a state of Sahel. So it's meaning this door is open, membership door is open for other countries uh, in the Sahel who can be a member of, of, of this alliance also. So it's meaning maybe the country like Chad uh, or maybe like Mauritania can be member of this uh, alliance. So we can talk about uh, the door is open for eventually other uh, member can be can be a member of uh, this alliance so if we look at the official document agreement no article who blocked another country to be member of this so i think it all of the country of the sahel can be member of uh, of this alliance now if we were to speculate how likely is a foreign intervention particularly by ecowas yeah i think this alliance so it's meaning uh, ECOWAS will be uh, a score to uh, to intervene in, in Niger because uh, if uh, ECOWAS decide to enter to intervene in Niger, so it will be a little bit uh, complica- complicated because uh, if Mali and Burkina Faso will support Niger, so it's meaning uh, ECOWAS uh, will be uh, in, in 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 war against uh, this three country so that is not uh, easy for ECOWAS country uh, countries so that's meaning uh, it will be like a war in West Africa and in Sahel between the countries so I think if ECOWAS accepted that it will it will be a disaster for all of, of, of the country, not only uh, for Niger, but it will be all of the country because Ma, like Mali, Mali has a border with Senegal, with Cote d'Ivoire. Uh, that is meaning uh, if Cote d'Ivoire or Senegal decide to send their military to to, to fight in, in Niger, so Mali uh, support to Niger, it will be uh, the war between Mali, Senegal, between Mali and, and Cote d'Ivoire on the same time. So I, do, I, I don't think so if uh, ECOWAS will accept uh, a new 
world in this area. That's the first, first uh, argument, argumentation. Uh, secondly, if there is war in, in West Africa, it will be a, uh, an opportunity for uh, uh, extremist groups in, in the area uh, to extend their influence to other countries, like the country like Benin, Togo, uh, Cote d'Ivoire, uh, and so on and so on. So I think uh, ECOWAS, that is, uh, we can say, slow the decision of intervention in Niger. You know, Ms. Naidu and I were discussing the possibility of this alliance transforming into a full-on federation, as proposed by the Prime Minister of Burkina Faso, Apoline Kelem de Tambila, at the beginning of this year. What do you think about this? Yeah, when uh, the Prime Minister of Burkina Faso uh, uh, declared that uh, or proposed that uh, this country need to be uh, in a flexible uh, federation, so I think this is the result of uh, different co- consultation between this country. So it's not uh, now we cannot talk about federation, but we can we talk about uh, alliance, maybe. In the in the in the in the next years, uh, maybe it will be changed to be like federation because now the, there is an agreement between Mali, Burkina Faso, and and Guinea uh, for uh, uh, support themselves on the economic and uh, different initiative initiative uh, uh, like the transportation road from uh, from Conakry uh, to Bamako and then to uh, Ouagadougou so i think it's not now we cannot talk about uh, federation but i think uh, this is uh, the way to the federation between different countries because uh, the project of african union the project of uh, regional uh, economic uh, uh, economic organizations like was so their objective from uh, agenda uh, 202063 20, uh, so is uh, to go to the integration regional integration and then continental integration so but this uh, objective the country uh, african country african continent in general they didn't uh, uh, they didn't realize this the, this uh, objective until now so maybe it can be between two or three or four countries in the beginning to go to the federation and then change the situation maybe in the uh, in the country in the continent african continent i think this is also maybe in the future we can talk about uh, uh, extend uh, this alliance to maybe the federation in the future because if uh, they start to, to to fight against the terrorism, to fight against the uh, uh, terrorism uh, threats in this country. Uh, so, if the countries uh, get uh, will go will will get a, a solution for uh, uh, terrorism for all the threats in in this country. So maybe they will start to to uh, to think about. How about the federation between this country and then maybe another decision can come. But now on this step, uh, so they talk about alliance, not uh, federation. So maybe uh, in the future we can talk about this.
And that's that for today's episode. Thank you, Ms. Naidu and Dr. Kante for joining us and sharing your incredible insight with our listeners. As for our listeners, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Don't forget that you can always listen to the Afroverted podcast on platforms such as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Deezer, Castbox, Podcast Addict, as well as AfriPods. Check out our Sputnik Africa Telegram channel, TikTok account, and other socials to be the first to see our updates. For even quicker access, you can always download our Sputnik Africa application as news, global, and local will be literally two taps away. That's it. I take my adieu, and I'll see you next time. Afro Verdict, brought to you by Sputnik Africa.